0: The source of our health is our spiritual health, meaning as we understand who we are beyond the worldly labels and into the identity of our soul, then the physical and mental health can follow in harmony. I invited my guest on today to dive into this. If a person lives a life out of touch with the source of his or her soul, then their life may be in confusion and their purpose of coming into this world not fulfilled. My guest today is Rabbi Rabbi Tovia Singer, the founder and director of Outreach Judaism, an international organization dedicated to countering the efforts of fundamentalist Christian groups and cults who specifically target Jews for conversion. He is also a renowned public speaker, author of the book, Let's Get Biblical, Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah? And host of a popular YouTube channel which has had millions of views and nearly 37,000 subscribers. On today's episode, Tovia and I talk about Tovia's background, how he gets his audiences to listen and even consider open mindedly the words of the Torah, what the Torah says about the Messiah and Messianic times compared with the definition found elsewhere. And on Tovia's YouTube channel, you can actually watch three seven to nine uh, minute segments of our interview that he shared on his channel. If you haven't yet, please leave a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram, King underscore Solomon 8 and Facebook, Solomon Ezra Berezin to learn more. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Solomon Berezin, to get updates on new videos and podcasts. Sign up to my newsletter, Ebb and Flow Fridays, through the link uh, on my website. And finally, you can financially support this podcast by heading to anchor.fm slash Solomon Ezra Berezin slash support. And that will be greatly appreciated and put forth towards better audio equipment. Now, onto the show with Rabbi Tovia Singer.
1: And I say this to any person who's helping others it's a real skill to listen, listen very carefully. You don't have to um, interrupt, you don't have to correct every single thing you disagree with. Just listen, absorb, listen to this soul that's talking to you, that's reaching out to you. Listen very carefully and and makes, understand what is being conveyed very carefully. Don't come in with an agenda, but rather in using the metaphor of chess, you're always playing the black piece. It's not a game, of course. So, But the point is, make sure to all he- healthcare professionals clergy learn to listen, it's an art, and really try to make sense of what is happening to this beautiful soul in front of me. What are they thinking? What? And then once they've expressed themselves, once he's poured his heart out and explains it, then slowly begin to respond in a way, not that it's you're imposing your agenda on them, but answering their questions question directly that's another thing
0: start this way my my show is really aimed around health and in its whole term physical mental emotional and spiritual and I wanted to bring you on because as we all we each have our own purpose and I felt listening and coming across your videos and listening to different stuff that you're doing that I'll, I'll ask you definitely to dive into really helps somebody beyond just physical, mental health, but really into their source of who they are, uh, and which is, you know, spiritual health, which really, when that's in its healthiest form, I guess I could say, everything else kind of will flow a lot more smoothly. With that being said, Tovia Singer, welcome on. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, your background and what led you to all the different talk show work you've been doing for several years now and out, and outreach Judaism and really just helping um, Jews who have left their religion, if that were possible, and that's not the right way of really saying it, but who may have converted to another religion and ultimately coming back uh, home and uh, learning more about the Torah.
1: Yeah, so my entire life is devoted to helping Jewish people who have uh, come lost in really the darkest place in in the church and help them come home. I've been doing this for 40 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, My entire work is helping Jewish people who either have converted to Christianity or consider converting, uh, reaching out to them. And I'm fortunate. I've written a number of books on this subject and helped so many Jewish people return back to their faith. I have a fairly large YouTube channel with my name, Tovia Singer, and an organization called OutreachJudaism.org. And I, I had a very typical Orthodox upbringing. I grew up in probably never heard of it because there's not many Jews there, but I grew up in Borough Park, Brooklyn. I don't know if you heard of it, Yeah. but if you heard, I'm kidding around. It's a very Jewish place. It's very, a Jewish, central place place. <laughs> very <laughs> Jewish, really Jewish place. And it was, uh, you know, Brooklyn, highly gentrified. I grew up around, around people who didn't like me if they were not Jewish. I couldn't for the life of me figure out why people wouldn't like me. And I was born 15 years after the Holocaust. So it was a common sight to see people with numbers on their arms. I lost so much of my family during the show up, particularly in the, the spring of 1944 when Hungarian Jewry was destroyed by the Germans. And it was, it perplexed me, but it made sense. They were the non-Jews were out of their minds for whatever reason I couldn't imagine. But then when I encountered a, a Jew for Jesus, someone involved in one of these groups just on a Saturday night in midtown Manhattan, I probably was about 16 years old. And I just, I just, I couldn't, it would be like Jews for the Ku Klux Klan. I couldn't fathom why would you? why would you join the very religion that brought us so much pain? And it, it's, all I can say is it was like a bomb went off in my head. We we're on the corner of 47th Street and Fifth Avenue, right in the center of the Diamond District. And these fellows were pasting up posters on the lampposts of Midtown Manhattan, Saturday night and it said come this tuesday to Jews for Jesus and learn more about your jewish Messiah i i, can't, I don't my vocabulary is not extensive enough to convey how it wasn't that i was appalled or was you know, it was just angry it was like a bomb went off inside of me it was like something and i began to engage with them and to argue with them i'm sure many of our viewers could relate to this it was a, it was a very, very unsatisfying experience. An elderly man was observing the spectacle, walked over to me, dragged me away from them, and said, you really shouldn't argue with them because you don't know enough. Instead, if you want to do something, maybe follow them around, and as they paced up their posters, you schlepped them down. And maybe I was just, the whole thing was just a nightmare I don't know enough. I I studied really in one of the premier yeshivot in the world. I studied in the mere yeshiva. So, you know, I I had a very vigorous Jewish education. These guys, I wasn't even sure they were Jewish. I, something I don't know, they know and I, but it led me to just, that cooked inside of me until I visited Israel for the first time wasn't that long after and my uncle who was very dear to me, he gave me a Christian Bible that a pastor had given him after spending a Shabbat at his home in the old city of Jerusalem and I began to study it. And it was then that I met, you know, he lived in the old city of Jerusalem. So, of course, when I went to pray, I didn't go to the young Israel. Nothing against the young Israel, but if you're in the old city in the Jewish quarter, you're going to go pray at the western wall and that's where i encountered a jew he actually encountered me and asked me if i knew the Lord at the western wall like what am i doing here i'm playing handball so it, it became you actually can't do spend... this no, i'm
0: sorry no I know you can't
1: it was like what a... he asked me do you know the lord i said oh, cool what am i it was so bizarre because i i really didn't know the lingo i didn't know what was going on it was just this young fellow with a cardboard yarmulke on his head the give that they give out for free when you're walking and then he asked me do you know who Yeshua is I thought he meant I said of course I do I thought he meant Yeshua Jacobowitz I went to Yeshua with it was and I began to just unpack what was happening I, I blew my vacation on him the the end of this is that this young man came back to the Jewish faith and that was something, that was a calling. Look, I didn't hear voices, I didn't see visions, but I, 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 as sure as a person could be, I believe that I was brought to this world for the purpose of helping Jewish people who are in the church. As it turns out, there are just so many nice evangelical Christians out there who study about Judaism, who are intrigued with the Jewish faith, who study, my books and my youtube videos and this is a very very large number who have chosen to become b'nai noach uh, meaning they're non-jews who've embraced the jewish faith without converting months. and it's uh, just been just very very exciting experience i mm-hmm. and i operate out of that clarity all my life
0: yeah Well, thanks for for sharing all that i'm sure when you were ex- going through all this experience, it must've been very intense, uh, but ultimately kind of growing you into this purpose. And um, from what I've learned and watched, it's definitely not that you're really criticizing the other religions, but really just making sure that, you know, making sure that the, a, a Jew isn't in that um, faith.
1: yes that's true as every all of
0: our all of uh, every faith every religion has its has its purpose has its has its place in the world
1: so i'm gonna be one of these (laughs) probably outliers on your show so i kind of didn't feel that way growing up that means when Mm -hmm. i was a kid and i saw all these because i grew up in brooklyn so you have you know, a lot of roman catholics who are irish catholic you know they were italian hispanic i i did feel that there there must be something that was taught by the church that somehow filtered in i mean they didn't weren't born this way but in truth jews for jesus and other such groups do raise very serious charges against the jewish faith and um and they deserve a response and people want one and it is very true that there are many things in the new testament that are thoroughly true but whatever is true in the new testament just isn't new and anything new isn't really true i am i don't criticize hindus or buddhists or other religions i just did a interview in 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 india for an indian broadcast and i I don't because they're not involved in evangelizing us but i i do have to respond to very serious charges made against the jewish faith
0: that's interesting because also don't there are quite a number of well I, i can't say that based on fact but what i've heard that quite some jews will go to um eastern traditions um and other faiths
1: right but they're not targeting us i okay. mean there's no group called jews for buddha there there's are the buddh jews
0: or, right. There's right there's so, also so, Hindus whatever. whatever
1: that means there are people, i suspect but, but, that they enjoy the meditate the meditative techniques yeah, for the most part a lot of my well, they're not, they're not,
0: meditation right. yeah yeah but when I when, mean, when
1: I, this yeah. is yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: When when you listen to then these um, Jews for Jesus and whatnot are in the different debates, what is their, What draws them to um, to believe all that? Because faith is beyond knowledge and understanding. So how, how are you even how what are you listening to them and what are they saying? And then how are you getting them to even consider what the Torah is saying?
1: So I used to believe Jews for Jesus. I used to believe chosen people ministries. I used to believe their rantings, meaning their claim is that if you just look in the Jewish Bible, Jesus is there, he's bouncing off every page. Now, what, what you do, of course, is go, that's an amazing claim. It's a fantastic claim that our Tanakh, which was written, Isaiah was 700 years before Christianity, the, um, The Torah is 1,300 years older than Christianity. It's amazing. But when you go back to the original text and say, well, let me check this out, you find that nothing can be further from the truth and that, in fact, Christian translators have altered the Jewish scriptures. New Testament authors have deliberately... This is not a misunderstanding. I mean, this is not like... Buddhism, what, I don't know, you know, whatever. It's not like Eastern religions just came up with something. These pe- This is really malevolent. I mean, they really, with intent and foreknowledge, altered the Jewish scriptures in order to make it appear Christological. You live in a part of the world where there are a lot of evangelical Christians. A lot of them.
0: I went right? to a, a Catholic school.
1: Okay, well, there you go. So now, as it turns out, strangely, strangely, for some odd reason, in all the Christian schools that you find in the United States, every Catholic school in America uh, providing education for children, not just Christian children, but others, none of them teach Hebrew to children. None of them, zero. I don't even have to ask you. I know they did. Now, some prep schools do teach Latin and teach all sorts of other, but not the original language of the Bible that these Christians believe is the word of God. That is mind blowing. Of course, once you go to university, then you can take all sorts of courses in biblical Hebrew, but then you're 20 years old, it's too late. So what happened is that a Jewish kid who goes to yeshiva, goes to a Jewish day school, That's what you learn immediately, is the language of the Tanakh, so that you can read it in the original, so that you can have access. That's the first thing, is that empowerment. Virtually, there actually is not a Christian school in America, just blow your mind away, not a Christian school in America, not for children that teaches Hebrew. And therefore, all Christians utterly rely on translators. Who have participated in this game, three card monty of the Bible? It's a, a bait and switch game. It's it's really not pretty, and I expose that. And I need to. It's not what I want to say. It's not what I want to. I'm very pleased to do this. I, I'm pretty much alone in this effort, but thank God I reach millions of people through yeah. our channel. But this is, um, Christians just have no idea because if, if you're a Catholic, you're reading a Jerusalem Bible. You're reading a Catholic Bible. If you're a Protestant, you're reading a King James. That's completely filtered. And I'm using very strong language, corrupted by the church. And you don't, you don't have a shot at knowing what the actual original says. And, I, and that's part of what I do. Now, I want to make this point. Yeah. This is really goes to your question. This is, this is like the big point. So I used to believe that if you just showed, demonstrated to people, Jews who are in the church, that look, the text was changed. Isaiah doesn't say a virgin as Matthew one twenty-three would have to have us believe. There's nothing in Isaiah 7.14 that says that. And the text was also, I thought they would go, oh, I don't know. I guess if that's true, when Isaiah fifty-three is not about a suffering mis- well then uh, they would just pack up and leave just like if i told you that a, a, a stock you invested in is about to nosedive you would you would sell it you'd get rid of it as quickly as possible just give me new information but it didn't happen that easily and i realized that there's something going on there's something going on underneath all this and what it really is is that people are uh, two things. People struggle with self-esteem, they really do. People struggle with their self-image. When they look in the mirror, they don't see something attractive very often. They feel like they've done something awful. They feel like bad people. People, this is when people struggle, when people make really bad choices in life very frequently, it's not out of a high self-esteem. and christianity evangelical christianity nourishes that instead of explaining to someone that you can do it says that you're a sinner you were born in sin that's your baggage and your constant companion and there's only one way to escape your destiny and that's believe in jesus and that is the mother load that's the disaster of the message so number one people feel that I'm gonna go to hell if I don't believe in Jesus. why? Because I'm a sinner, I'm lost. and then is Jesus is like the perfect person. He's nothing like you. He he can save you because he's sinless and you're definitely not. And that's why people grow to love Christianity and love Jesus, and it's not the text, the text coming only after in order to sustain what they already want to believe. And you've got to understand that aspect of Christianity in order to be able to address it.
0: I once had a neighbor who um, sent me this video of a Jewish scientist who I put, quote, unquote, converted to Christianity because I think, I, you know, Judaism is, is beyond religion and way of life. But he explained like he had an experience in his college time where he had like uh seen jesus so when you're when you're debating when you're coming across or or talking to somebody like like him as an example who shares a a visceral experience and i don't doubt those experiences people have uh, many mystical experiences like that how do you like he doesn't there's no kind of knowledge to explain it unless he's unless you just try and approach that he's misinterpreting that experience um how 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 do you address that with individuals that's
1: called the yeah that's that's called the complex equation so that actually should make things more complicated because as it turns out um every religion has many adherents who are thoroughly convinced that their God or a prophet have, has appeared to them and are willing to die for this. This happened, they, look, I was the rabbi of Indonesia for quite a number of years before I moved to Jerusalem made Aliyah. And they're amazing, right? And I lecture throughout the Faris. so people uh, frequently believe that the Virgin Mary was appearing to them. And there are people who believe that Muhammad was coming to them in a dream. And the Bali, an island that has a very devout Hindu community, very frequently met people who believe that um, Hanuman, the monkey god of, of Hinduism, very prominent in Hindu ritual and belief, appeared to them all the time. And I met many, many Indians who were followers of Sai Sai Baba, who not only does he appear to them, but they remember him. He didn't die that long ago, who would resurrect the dead and perform miracles and have them see visions right in front of them. So the problem is that every religion has followers that have visions and they all can't be true. I mean, let's be frank. These religions, not the Eastern religions, less so, but all these religions really are, are making claims that are mutually exclusive of each other. They, they can't all be true, but people are having these visceral experiences, these numinous experiences in their religion. And the literature is all the way up to the sky on testimonials and so on. And, And and what evangelicals do, frankly, is they discount them. They just, well, what about, because they don't believe that you can worship the Virgin Mary or or any, they just dismiss that. It means only the miracles that happen in the name of the religion that I already subscribe to, that's the one. And and why is it that no one is having the monkey god appear to them in, in Brooklyn? So it's someone who had some who's in geographically in the right place, who has already been exposed to that sort of iteration of religion. And like, they're the ones always having the vision, like, where's the monkey god in, 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 in Houston? You know, it ain't there. It's only happening in India and Bali and some. Well, there's your answer. So if people realize and that's the, that's what's going on. They, you have to use Tanakh as your guide, as, as your guide to know how to worship Hashem. The Torah addresses us in Deuteronomy 13. And that's how I respond. And that's very meaningful because people do recognize that people have these visions in every religion, they all can't be correct. And therefore having the experience, no matter how deep, profound, sincere, they're having that people are willing to die of their experiences in every religion; therefore, that cannot be the barometer for truth.
0: What do you mean they can't all be correct? Sure, they—they all—they all happen. They all—I uh, don't doubt those experiences. I think you even acknowledge that they're—they're they're real experiences people have. But you mean maybe they're just the, not the experiences
1: aren't correct? No, the experiences. Fifteen percent of healthy people hallucinate during their life. Uh, And they'll almost always hallucinate over either about a a dead relative or a religious figure. I have, have, although there's a lot of chicanery going on, there are some people who genuinely feel an encounter with their understanding of the divine. That's not the part I dismiss at all. Um, But Christianity and Judaism, can't both be true i mean jesus is the messiah or he's not the messiah god is unitarian one alone or is this or jesus is the second part of a triune godhead they really cannot both be true the claims are not compatible with each other that's what i mean i mean if you're using visions which for many people in every religion i have no doubt is is sincerely is, believed okay. by adherents, but with the, the religions are not compatible. Hinduism and Judaism are not compatible with each other. There are some common themes, but they're not compatible with each other. I mean, they can't, this is not politically correct, but just the, the Christian religion and, the, and Judaism just can't both be correct. The Torah is not really that ecumenical. You shall have no other gods before me does not allow for you know does not allow for Hare Krishna it just doesn't you know, doesn't
0: Maimon, Maimonides even right though that it's it has its place it's 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 like a precursor like um, Muhammad and Jesus were you know meant to come they were um, kind of precursors for the real uh, messiah so, in Maimonides,
1: in well, I'll explain that. I mean, that's a question I get, that's a really good question. So, at the end of Hilchus Malachim, and the Laws of Kings, mm-hmm. the last chapters, first, Maimonides explains that there was no greater stumbling block to mankind than Jesus. And he says things that are not flattering about the founder of Christianity. He does, however, explain why did christianity emerge Mm -hmm. at the moment that it did so and that role is messianic in that the nations of the world now are filled with ideas about a one god monotheistic orientation which did not exist before the destruction of second temple there was no other monotheism besides judaism that was it And therefore, the nations of the world began to understand that there is a one God orientation, that there are commandments, there are mitzvot, there's an idea of a messiah and so on, except these nations thought that the covenant that God made with the Jewish people was abrogated, the commandments because of their demigod has now been abrogated, but the moment mashiach comes these christians will immediately understand their error and fulfill the words of zechariah 8:23 where 10 gentiles of different languages will grab the shirt of a jew and say take us with you for now we know that god is with you so maimonides is not in any way saying mm-hmm. that the tenets of christianity are true but the religion is different than it's than non-jewish religions prior to destruction of Second Temple, in that they were so dissimilar that if the Messiah would have come then, other religions would have gone, what's a Messiah? What does that mean? What are commandments? What is the Torah? Now Christianity has filled the world so that the world is now prepared to immediately recognize their error, but Maimonides is not soft on Christian doctrine.
0: Um, you you brought up where I wanted to transition, and that is precisely what is Messiah. Because in in the more in, I've learned about our own uh, faith and um, understanding of Messiah, it's 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 different than a Christian view of uh, some savior. We don't believe it's you know uh, we believe it's just some normal man like you and I. And it's more than just a person. It's a whole redemption period in which it seems like not just one person is enlightened, but, you know, our whole consciousness, collective consciousness is um, elevated. And I, I really think that that's where we're heading and we're, you know, in that period. Um, can you touch on what exactly is the Messiah and do you do you find that the whole definition or understanding when you have these different debates or speaking with um missionaries is just your the the debate is about um messiah but the whole basis is completely different
1: i i could not possibly have worded your your question more perfectly because what's happening is that we're using the same word, Messiah, Mashiach, Hebrew. Um, It's an eschatological figure, so there you go. But ontologically, they have nothing, they have nothing whatsoever to, the Christian idea of Messiah has nothing to do with what the prophets of Israel spoke about. In fact, prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah Preached against the core tenets of the unique tenets of the Christian religion, its doctrines. Tanakh is very clear of what the Mashiach is. He is the heir of the Davidic line and the Davidic promise called the Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 through 16, that the, the king, the Davidic king, will be reinstated. The role of Mashiach in Tanakh is to give which means rebuke to the nations and they will change their ways. Please see the first handful of verses in Isaiah chapter two, they're f- very famous. The coming of Mashiach, and I believe, I can't say for sure, but I believe that we are living in that epoch now. I means I think for whatever reason we're living in a unique time But the nations will change their ways. They'll take their implements of war and change them into implements of agriculture. Nation will not lift up sword against nation. Neither will they learn anymore. A worldwide peace and a universal knowledge of God where the nations will be filled with the knowledge of God as the water covers the earth. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 9. That's as central as could be that the whole world will come to know about the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There will be a full ingathering of the children of Israel to the land of Israel. Today, about half of the Jewish people live where I live, in Israel, in the Holy Land, and so many millions of others yearn to be here. God made that promise in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 6, the ingathering. I will bring my sons and daughters from afar, from the ends of the earth. There are Jewish people we didn't even know about coming from Northeast India, coming from North Africa, who were returning here, Bnei Menashe, children of Don, Ethiopian Jews, 150,000 of them are here who were disconnected from us for since the first time, I mean, for two and a half thousand years. So, or 2,700 years in some cases. We are living in what appears, I say what appears to be, in miraculous times, the building of the temple in Jerusalem, promised at the last passages of Ezekiel 37. Please, I always tell my viewers, look it up for yourself. Ezekiel 24 and 25 is about the Messiah, and 26, 27, 28. This is the chapter of the valley of dry bones i mean this is really famous stuff the base Hamidash will be restored jewish sovereignty will be restored the resurrection of the dead daniel 12 2 and and these are the events that will occur there's this is going to shock your audience (laughs) (laughs) there's not a mention in tanakh of the messiah performing any miracle at all none I am not saying he will not be able to perform miracles like prophets of the past. I'm not saying that. But Tanakh is completely uninterested in that. Tanakh is interested that he will be a king and he will give, which means he will be a rabbi, a teacher, who will inspire the world to turn their lives around completely. Mm-hmm. His coming will be preceded by Elijah the prophet. Those are the last words of the Book of Malachi, the last prophet. And now, the, in the first century, none of this happened. The opposite happened. There was no peace, there was war with Rome, temple not built but destroyed, Jews not gathered but exiled. The knowledge of God was weakened because of the great wars with Rome and the greatest war with Rome between 66 to 70. The first Christian century stands as an example of what exactly is not supposed to happen when the Messiah comes. Moreover, the idea that anybody could die for the sins of the wicked and an innocent person that in human sacrifice, there is not a book in the Jewish Bible that does not address this. Really, it's a blasphemy. Look, if you're a Christian, please don't be offended. I know you want to straight, you don't want applesauce. I'm just talking to you from my heart to your heart. Just listen, please. The the This is the mother load of all abominations in the Jewish scriptures is to in any way believe that the death of innocent children and virgins, and in, that the, the Tanakh forbids this. Ezekiel addresses this in chapter 18. But if you turn away from your sinful ways, you might live. The idea that you can subsume the body and blood of the Messiah, that's ritual cannibalism. We find that really early chronologically in the Christian canonical literature. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 11. The idea of eating and drinking, whether you believe that the way the Catholics do in a real transubstantiation, a or a real presence as Lutherans do, or just something symbolic as Calvinists do. The idea is so is hostile to the Jewish scriptures. That means the, we're using the same word. And frankly, I say this to the viewer, please don't be offended, please don't be offended. But the truth is there are many people who believe that Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible is the word of God, but very few have ever read it once once not even one time read jeremiah and there is a price to pay for not having that intimate familiar familiarity with the very book you believe is the word of god so they're, they're it's not just they're different but they are at odds with each other and people are just there. and what christians are doing i come i when i was a kid i started off by telling you I didn't like the way Christians behaved. I grew up around Roman Catholics. I knew that my family was killed in countries that adhered to the Christian religion. And I just thought non-Jews were crazy as a kid. I yeah. thought they were just insane. That's how I believed, and I avoided them. And if I made the mistake of walking past a bunch of Irish Catholic kids, I paid a price for it, and I had to run fast and get out of there. You didn't. What happened, my complete 180 degree turn in my life is as an adult, after rabbinical school, encountering evangelical Christians, just really wonderful people, devout Christians all really good. I mean, I knew these were really good people and I went, what's going on here? And then I realized that it's this kind of thinking, it's the literature that could be toxic so my, and then my view was that wow well, that changes everything that's a complete game changer so the idea it's not that we like different views of the messiah exactly they have not, they're not related to them at all the idea that the messiah saves us from sin no in fact it is the messiah that comes to the jewish people once we have repented from sin isaiah 59 verse 20 and 21 well, the difference is enormous.
0: I think that last um, um, saying repented from sin really means you know, it, it, I think it emphasizes a, 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 a growth in uh, an awareness and, and consciousness and, and sin is just like lack of, from wholeness. So it's just like we're all slowly moving towards that kind of greater state of being and then it's going like some man, or you know, is able to kind of teach a process of really kind of elev- elevating us up to this new redemptive era. But how, so, when you come across somebody and you're actually kind of beginning, and they're interested, and you're beginning to um, show them all of this, how what's the process? How do you start to do? I'm sure a lot. with a lot, you have to cover the foundation of what is the Messiah, like we just covered. Um, but I'd love to hear a little bit about it, how you begin that um, process.
1: I had a rabbi, a very important rabbi who gave me advice that I follow to this day. And that is God gave you two ears and one mouth try to maintain that ratio. I do a lot of listening rather than talking. Don't you I have a talk always, show? <laughs> yeah, I do. And I do <laughs> I'm right? just and, kidding. And, and there's very, and I do, right? And all my talk shows are, whether I'm doing an interview and I've got another interview mm-hmm. later on today, um, are is always Q and A. And there's a reason, that means I, I almost never get up and make a speech. Now I do a lot of public speaking and of course now with the corona, it's not possible. So I occasionally do lecture on a certain topic, but what audiences love, whether it's like here on electronic on YouTube or a live audience, what they love is this, the spontaneity of the QA. and a But I like that because I get to listen to the question very Hmm. carefully. And answering your question directly, and I say this to any person who's helping others, it's a real skill to listen, listen very carefully. You don't have to um, interrupt. You don't have to correct every single thing you disagree with. Just listen, absorb, listen to this soul that's talking to you, that's reaching out to you. Listen very carefully and and makes understand what is being conveyed very carefully. Don't come in with an agenda, but rather in using the metaphor of chess, you're always playing the black piece. It's not a game of course. So, But the point is make sure to all hea- healthcare professionals, clergy learn to listen. It's an art and really try to make sense of what is happening to this Beautiful soul in front of me. What are they thinking? What? And then once they've expressed themselves, once he's poured his heart out and explains it, then slowly begin to respond in a way. Not that it's you're imposing your agenda on them, but answering their question directly. That's another thing. Amazing. It's a big mistake to say I've got a big agenda and I'm gonna get you to believe like me. No, listen to that person. That person has unique fingerprints that touch the world physically and spiritually. Listen carefully to this nishama to this soul in front of you. Try to understand what's going on here, what, what's really happening, because the map is not the territory. What people tell you initially, it's not the reality. It takes time, trust to build, that mm-hmm. you can they can finally give you that thing, ah, I see now what's happening here. And then slowly, in a partnership, start a process rebuilding. Not with your agenda, with that person's agenda. Don't walk in there like a bull in a in a in a china shop and just start smash. That's a terrible way to do it. Yeah. These people who are coming to me have very often have broken souls. I'll tell you honestly. I don't even think I said this ever on air, but there's a broken soul behind there. There's something this trauma there's something where this person's self-image has been injured and there is nothing more toxic than a self-esteem that isn't healthy and you have to figure out where did this come from yeah and help start a process of healing it isn't so it is true there are theological questions but you have to help mend that heart
0: amazing i'm i'm so happy you you brought that up because i think that's that's really what I wanted to kind of get at because when it comes to, to helping in anything and like we we're talking earlier, you're referencing the different scripture and uh, the Torah and what the Messiah is, you really have to get to the person as a, an individual first. Um, that's that kind of what led me into health coaching and health work. And my main tool, and I talk about it a lot, I was just interviewed yesterday and spoke about it a lot, is meditation. And uh, that's been a real great tool when it comes to listening, not just to yourself and being able to build concentration, but then when it comes to speaking with another person, because the listening, you know, like we have in Shema Israel, Shema listen also comes from observe. So when you're listening Mm -hmm. to somebody, you're really observing more than just the words they're saying, but their state of being, how their body is reacting, Mm -hmm. because you can pick up a lot of different Mm -hmm. um, tells that their body may give away, so to speak, uh, from what they're really intending to say. So I'd love to finish off by asking, uh, because I I think that what what you mentioned about listening and the way you expressed it was very um, Mm -hmm. meaningful it really hit, hit home. What is the best tool in which you think that you practice that, that now you can, that you'd love to share with individuals? Cause one of the other things, just to finish up that I, I was attracted to your videos and attracted to you and how you are sharing all this stuff is when somebody brings up a point that is, let's say against torah or whatnot you're not reacting in, in like a negative way you're not taking it personal you're 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 just referring back to this source or to that source and you're in a sense you are not you're you're calm which is part yeah. of the one of this whole um you know podcast that i have it's like health and health in its whole state you're not reacting to uh, a situation that you know may knock you off guard. And then you're in a state of panic where you're not thinking clearly. That's not what you're doing. You're able to really listen and you're going into these places and audiences where I'm sure you experience that quite a bit.
1: I do. I'm gonna tell you something that I don't know will surprise the viewers. I haven't raised my voice in at least 35 years. What was that? No, I never I I I have <laughs> not raised my voice. That means I've not yelled at somebody. I don't even recall. So I'm just I'm making up the number 35 years, but my adult life I've never yelled at anyone. I never yelled at my children ever. When my daughter, youngest, you going to have my youngest daughter. When my youngest daughter was about to walk down the aisle to marry a terrific young man, we had a little talk right literally before she was gonna walk down the aisle and walk, walk down together. And she turned to me and she said, Tati, that's Yiddish for yeah. father. That's how she calls me. She says, thank you for never yelling at me. Wow. I never did. I, I never, I never do. And maybe, maybe, because I, what I do is I, I listen very carefully and I know there's a soul who's in a lot of trouble was drowning, that I listen very carefully. Now it's true that if my kids, I have great kids, but if they ever did something, you know, that I, I couldn't give them a look and go, I know you, you can do a little better than that. I, I can give them a look and they know that. And that was enough. But the truth is my friends, learn the art of listening and not, don't engage in a counter-transference where you're, you're imposing your own personal memories. Don't, that means come in clean. Just like a surgeon walks in sterile, don't bring your past into that conversation. Don't, mm-hmm. impo- it sounds insane coming from Rabbi Toby Singh, whose whole life is dedicated to helping people in the church come out of the church. I have 10 million viewers and, and, and I engage in debates so of this. But listen, you see me when I on YouTube, you see me when I meet ministers who just flip out when they see me and I'm just totally calm because I'm mm-hmm. thinking, well, what's going through this? You know, what, what what's happening to this person here? But the reason the calmness is, is that I listen and here's the deal. Mm. It it's it's really almost it's almost math. It it seems like math, a hard science, and counseling or helping people, something that's something very soft and they almost seem incompatible. Listen, Listen, like, you know, it really isn't. It all, at the end of the day, has to make sense. Even though when you encounter somebody, you hear a lot of pain, anguish, and it just seems like a cacophony of noise. There really is a symphony going on. It has to match. And if you haven't figured it out, let that person keep talking. And until the music and harmonies all come together, and then you begin to see what's happening, what is the source of all this pain? And then, and only then, could you be an instrument to bring about healing. The art of listening is everything. Keep your mouth shut. I tell you, just learn to be quiet and to listen. I was counseling a couple yesterday. I didn't say a word for 45 minutes. Listen, it's got to it really does all have to make sense. And if it's not making sense to you, whether you're a person who teaches meditation, you're a healthcare provider, whatever you're doing, it's the numbers really do have to add up. It can't be this imaginary number. And if it isn't add up, it means you don't get it completely jettison your own preconceived notion just your own personal life just throw it overboard because any of that is toxic to an interaction come in and just wipe the slate clean learn to listen and address his issues her issues not your own worldview and if you're able to do that then you're going to see a life of enormous success, not only for you, but for the people that you cherish and want to help.
0: Wow. Tobia, thank you so much.
1: It was a joy, it was a joy to be on with you. I, I really, I enjoyed this more than I anticipated. I didn't think it would go so good. I'm kidding. Around. <laughs> I'm getting around with you, but you really, um, you really brought this to a very high level, very high point. Thank God. Thank and God. A tremendous Kesher with you. Hashem should strengthen you and, and keep lifting you up and guiding you in your, your life, really. And have a, a lot of Hatzlacha success and bracha, blessings from Jerusalem. And I look forward to meeting you here in the Holy Land when we're done with this crazy plague that has inf- the world around us so thank, thank you thank, thank
0: well, you, have you have done once done. again for uh I, I loved all that you said about listening and it really includes patience, um all that goes into it uh it's it is a very valuable valuable tool when it comes to health and you know just kind of everything so thanks once again for all the work that you're doing and you know, you people can check out the different testimonials you have on your website of other individuals um, really connecting with, you know, who they are. I think that's the main, the main part of it and just wanted to state again, that's why I had you on the show because my other guests have been, you know, doctors and uh, trainers and health coaches and rabbis. Um, and so this may be kind of a co- controversial uh, episode, but... Uh, I think it is at the core of our health and who we are and that's why I wanted to bring you on um, how can people reach out to you or get a hold of you and watch your videos
1: thank you so our our website address is outreachjudaism.org mm-hmm. outreachjudaism.org uh, have a fairly large youtube channel with uh, we're passing 10 million viewers and 37,000 subscribers, nice. and it's really it's touching a lot, a lot of souls. And just my name, Tovia Singer, and I have you know books. Let's get biblical, and I wouldn't ever lower myself to hawk my books, but they're available on. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, so no,
0: just <laughs> the that I, way that uh, you said yes. that, let's get biblical
1: sorry <laughs> let's get biblical well that's what it is it, it that might really be
0: the title closes. of this show no i'm just kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it is it's getting back to tanakh it's just so rich it's so delicious mm. it really is it's it's very very beautiful and it's um and i, I thank you again for having me on It's really a, an honor to join you for this very precious time we had together on air
0: Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.